What is crack-a-lackin' fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Favalli coming at you live with my fantabulous, certified fantabulous thermonuclear AF co-host Grant Hughes on the heels of what was not a boring trade deadline. Do not let anyone ever tell you it was a boring trade deadline, especially if it's going to be us, because if you, I feel like we might have said it. I will say when I wrote about it, I just said, I'm defaulting to it's not going to happen. But every year without fail, we're braced for, oh, there's not going to be action. There's always just a fuck ton of action. And there was a metric fuck ton of action this time. There's actually more deals. Did you know, Grant? Between Wednesday and Thursday, there was one more deal, I believe, this year than there was last year. How's that? for a quiet NBA trade deadline. It did feel like a lot. It did feel like a lot. And, and honestly, because today was, uh, I'm, I'm feeling a little spent. I don't know how you're feeling. I'm actually, I'm sure you're feeling similarly. I cannot remember what happened at the 2022 trade deadline. Like, I think <laughs> if you gave me five minutes, I might be able to come up with like a couple trades, but I'm not sure that's that, but that's to your point. Like, a lot happened today. I mean, like, little, you know, real, like, landscape altering. You know, it's a hack cliche to say that. But, like, real stuff happened that's going to change the rest of the season. I would argue even the the thing we'll remember this season for, at least so far, happened today with the Kevin Durant trade, right? Like, that's the defining thing from the season. Yeah, I mean, that was just even dating back to like the Kyrie getting moved to Dallas thing, which is like, and we went live on that. And then I went live, like, D-Lo to the Lakers. Like, that's sort of super impactful not just for this season but for next season and i'm curious to get more of your thoughts on that i know i went um by myself on on uh, that one earlier but uh very quickly let's just remind everybody to subscribe if they haven't done so already it's fun that you were able to talk so i could promote this on twitter without like st- stammering too much so that was exciting i like having the two-person live stream yeah. um so please remember to subscribe youtube spotify apple wherever you get your podcast if you've done all those things Word of mouth, retweet our promos on Twitter, shout us out. We like seeing those tags. I'll always retweet them or I try and respond to all the ones I see if we're not too hectic. Join our Discord. The link is in the the YouTube and podcast description. Always a great time there. There's a lot of good post-trade deadline discussion going on in there today. That's always fun to see when Grant and I don't necessarily have the time to partake in, in all of them. It's nice to see that the community can, you know, interact with itself. So that's mm-hmm. that's super dope. And follow us on all the socials, Twitter and TikTok, we are at Hardwood Knox. Uh, Instagram, we are at Hardwood underscore Knox. And the final note here, as I will say, is we let some people come in still. Uh, people love to trade slop. I'm not amazed about it every year. But like our TikTok account was like so stagnant for so long. And I post about a video a day there. And like I started posting our fake trades on there. We gained like 100 followers in like five videos. And one of them was not a trade, but it was your take on the Kyrie Irving trade. So mm. shout out to you. Shout out to Ian who makes our clips yeah. for that. People, people love trades. I, I shouldn't, it, it doesn't surprise me, but it's always like you go through the transaction process or leading up to it. And people are like, Oh, they enjoy trades more than actual basketball, which I'll push back against a little bit, but it's just like, yeah, I guess they do. And I don't know, like you, you have to, <laughs> you have to cover it. I don't hate it, but it's every year without fail. People seem to love it. Yeah, it's a weird t- time of year right now for that reason, because now it's like, well, now we just have to see the teams play, right? And, and then see what the, what they what these new players look like. Like, we just have to watch the basketball now. Is that is that what the next several months are? That might be my favorite thing to do is mm-hmm. I love and, and I know that kind of skews towards the theoretical, but I like looking at moves that were actually made and then trying to figure out how they impact that team, that team's future, other teams in the conference. There was one move. This season, I don't know if you uh, saw it, but Kevin Durant was traded to uh, to Phoenix that I think changes 
a lot. <laughs> it sounds it sounds familiar. Um, I think I do. I do recollect. Um, I mean, you know, we're going to cover a lot, but we probably should just start there. Right. Like it's it's one of those things that feels so big that I don't even like I don't even know what we can say that's not obvious. Right. Like, I guess one thing I was so Let's say the package. Can you relay? Do you want me to relay the package or do you have it in front of you? Yeah, I got it. Because you know why? Because I have your handy dandy uh, grading every single I threw in inaccurate grenades in there because I knew that oh, you really? would be well, maybe you co-host and read it. And now you're just going to be wrong. <laughs> you do it. So you should edit it yourself. Go ahead. What's the package? Um, <laughs> no, uh, the Nets are getting Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, who not a lot of talk about, but like, that's just a really good pickup. Mm-hmm. Then they're getting four unprotected first round picks, 2023, 2025, 2027, and 2029. And then a 2028 uh, unprotected as far as I saw first round swap. Yeah. So four picks, Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, uh, Jay Crowder went to the Bucks already. Uh, we knew that was going to happen. And so they got more second round picks out of that deal. I think they ended up with three. That deal was a fucking massacre of like logistics. Uh, but anyway, so they get all that for for KD. What was your or what are your impressions? What was your impression upon seeing that? I mean, it it just elevates the Suns to and look like people will point out that they have some depth issues now. Um, and, and as at perfect timing, FK Retro says the only thing I think the Suns need to worry about is their depth and getting KD back in time to make a run. Um, yeah, that's it. Like, do you what do you do? Because, you know, Mikhail Bridges was an Ironman, played a ton of minutes in addition to just being really good and a three and D guy who was expanding his game like he was just always available. The guy like doesn't, he does not miss games and he plays big minutes. So fill that hole with Durant. Sure. But then, you know, Cam Johnson was coming back and was theoretically a big part of the team. The counter to that is like Johnson was hurt. Crowder didn't play at all. So if you're sort of just swapping in KD for, for bridges and then TJ Warren gets a minute. Also TJ Warren's not nothing either. If he's healthy, like that guy's a bucket and will matter. Um, But yeah, depth is an issue. Sure. But you have Kevin Durant, right? Like, now suddenly you are just you're like a coin flip at worst i think in almost any playoff series you're going to be in um i think they're right there with denver uh i I like i would be hard pressed to like strongly favor denver over them if we get to a conference finals and that's the matchup just because the bones island trade ruined it for you i get it it. (laughs) are we gonna bet against kevin durant devin booker I, i mean so yeah it just elevates the suns to the like class a contender tier i think you know, at least in the West, because, you know, Boston and Milwaukee still exist. Um, but yeah, I think it's a trade. If you're the Suns, you do 100 times out of 100. I think if if you're the Nets, you got to feel pretty good about what you got back. Um, you basically replaced all the draft equity you gave up in the Harden trade originally. So you have a draft again, which was really not going to be the case for, for, for the Nets for a while. So, you know, the circumstances that led up to it were messy and they kind of sucked, but this is kind of, this is a win-win and the Suns are the biggest winners of the deadlines. Cause they got like the best player to be traded in a really long time. Yeah. And it was just the fact it didn't come together so quickly because they were talked over the, the off season. Um, so like, but the fact that it just came together. So like Kyrie Irving gets traded and then you know, a few days later, Kevin Rant's a member of the Suns. I'm with you on the Mikhail Bridges stuff. I saw some people kind of, starting to not dismiss or claim Mikael Bridges was dispensable, but it was almost just like, oh, it was lost. It just got lost into, yes, you make this deal 11 times out of 10, but like Mikael Bridges and now the point of attack defense, it is like, it's an issue because you can go to Josh Kogi, you can go to Torrey Craig, you're going to lose something offensively. I think that 
Uh, Torrey Craig might get hot and go on like one of those shoots a trillion percent from three heaters. He's a good offensive rebounder and he'll get downhill a little bit. Uh, we do have in the chat, uh, Darius Baisley uh, is a good addition. I didn't slaughter the Suns for this when I was writing about it. It was charged for Baisley. It was a tax dump. And I think it was people were trying to paint it too too much. as like, oh, they're like balancing out their roster and he's going to no, give no, them no. some defensive malleability. He does give them, he's taken on some really tough defensive assignments in the past. He is, a, I would say, and he's actually looked better of late. I saw a couple of Thunder games and like the three ball looks awkward, but it's going in on occasion. He's a bad basketball player. I just, I can't get there. And it's fine. They made the tax dump. I don't care. You got Kevin Durant. Sharks actually had some really good moments lately. And I love him for the Thunder, by the way. But I like, no, if you're, even if you're like, if you're a title team with a team with title aspirations and you're tethered at all to Darius Baisley, like being good or playing for yeah. your team, no, that's like, we got to stop with that. And so I did not like it. I'm not making fun of hilarious KB here. Everyone can have their own opinions. Um, yeah, he's had some good moments with the Thunder, but that was two seasons ago. <laughs> it's about right. Uh, he, I don't know. He's for, I call him formless on offense, maybe being like shoehorned into more of a play finisher role beside Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. I, I just, I love the way this team looks, and I think you could easily make the case that they are the title favorite. I think the the concern, aside from Mikael Bridges, is, and FK Retro just brought this up in the chat, Katie has played 60 games since the big injury. If, if this doesn't work out, Sandra left with nothing but, but Booker. And, like, yeah, Kevin Durant's 34. He hasn't played a full season since, I think, 28, 2019. He, what was he, 78 games with the Warriors, whatever he did there. That's a real concern. You still you have to make this move though because of the top end, the top end outcome. I will say, you know what I'm more concerned about? The fact that they're like once Brian Windhorst, uh, do I get to call him a friend of the show if he follows us on Twitter? Can we call him that? Is that how this Twitter thing works? I think you should probably you probably should. Yeah. And I hope he gets aggregated and uh, and he'll appreciate he'll appreciate. It. But uh friend of the show, Brian Windhorst, uh mentioned that the Kyrie stuff is real. That scares the living shit. Uh, like is Kevin Durant not learned? Have these other organizations not? We talk, but but that that worries me more than KD's age or the Mikael Bridges absence. <laughs> right. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, destroyer franchises, Kyrie Irving just would 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 be rough. I mean, to me, sure. And, and FK Retro again, KD's he's right. You know, KD is this is the last chapter of Durant's career as like a superstar, right? Like just just because of his age. I mean. No one can argue with the injury concerns, which may be more legit for the Suns than some other teams and the age concerns, but it's like injury and age are issues for every contender. Because if you're contending, I mean, unless you're the Celtics, you know, or I guess the Bucks, but the Bucks are old too. Like they're getting you're just an older team, chances are, right? It's like the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, those are very different teams, but the Grizzlies are not there yet. And but they're young, like if you're if you're contending, you're older and you're you know one injury away from not contending. That's just the nature of being at that level of the league. So yeah, I mean, and then again, like you said, and like I said, valid as those concerns are, the the question is like, well, should they have precluded you from trading for Kevin Durant? And the answer is a million percent no. Like, of course not. You 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 take on those risks happily just because you can't get a guy like this basically ever. So yeah. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the Nets, but uh, really quick, and I guess we have a question from Huck on the Suns, too. I'll throw that up there in a second. Is there, when you think of superstars that can just fit in any situation alongside anyone, the three names that come to mind, and I'm just wondering if I'm being hyperbolic in the moment, are Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. And so the fact that the Suns now just have two of these dudes, it almost, 
insulates them against, you know, Chris Paul getting older. He's been like, he hasn't been terrible this season, by the Mm -hmm. way, like especially offensively. So like, if you need to have him on the ball a little bit more, if he just, you have to acquiesce to him a little bit, like Devin Booker has, you just, you can do it and it's not a Mm -hmm. problem. And so I really, but then it's also like, as you um, project your team forward post CP three, how, whatever you need to do, it just feels like, for the next three, like Kevin Durant's under contract for three more years. Like it, there's no iteration of this team that will not work because it's not just, Oh, we have Kevin Durant, but it's also because, Hey, Devin Booker is one of the, one of the five most scalable superstars in the league. And just like by that, I mean, if anyone's confused, who doesn't listen and I say scalable all the time, just like it's a fits all. It's just like, he can be a universal fit without, you know, tamping down his stardom because he's able to move off the ball so well. Yeah. I mean, think of it, I, I think of it, scalability is like, a, I, it's, the, it's the right term. I always just think of it as like, he doesn't take, doesn't take anything off the table to like get his, right? So it's like Russell Westbrook's the counter example. Like the, the prime version of Russell Westbrook has to be doing everything all the time at the expense of basically everybody else. That's just, that's how that I'm operates. That legend, Russell Westbrook. Right, the legend. And, but like Durant has already fit in on a super team. Like we, and, and it worked fine. It produced two championships and maybe would have been a third if not for in, like, it's just, and Booker's the same way. There's not, there's nothing that those guys do. I guess really like you could go coach speak and say, they just both play the right way. Like they make the right play, whether that's a shot from wherever the shot needs to be taken or wherever the pass needs to go. They're just, you know, on the court as low maintenance as it gets. They just fit wherever you need them to fit at whatever volume you need them to provide. And it's always going to be high volume because they're so good, but they're just, just contrast it with like the Luca Kyrie stuff, which I don't think the on-court fit issues, you know, the there's only one ball kind of thing is that prevalent for Kyrie and Luca, but it sure as hell is more prevalent there or more of a concern than it is with Phoenix because the types of players Phoenix has now are just, they just are not going to monopolize possessions to the detriment of, of, you know, winning or of their teammates. Um, but you want to talk about the nets. I mean, well, me, well, we do have a question from Huck. Who should their buyout target be for Phoenix? I was wondering about Justin holiday. I don't know if yeah. that's just like, you know, if we're going to say that Baisley can help this team, why can't Justin Holiday have a renaissance with Phoenix? Maybe that's not like we've seen him play some four too. So I don't know if that would be a good one, but they need like wingy type players, I would say. But then they have some, but like, you know, Damian Lee is still on this roster. Uh, they have, like, they have a Kogi still, Tory Craig, but they just need like someone better. And I don't know. Uh, FK Retro's rumors are wall to the Suns. And I get, is he an upgrade over campaign? I don't, I don't think so. No. I mean, I don't know. Did Danny Green get bought out? I did not see that, but that would be a good addition for them if he if he does. And he's I mean, going to. He's not. Yeah, he went to Houston, so you would assume so. I mean, to me, that's the one I like best because I'm looking at the buyout candidates, and there's just a lot of point guard. Like, you know, the Patrick Beverly's probably Russ. Um, I mean, Serge Ibaka, just you know, presump- Terrence Ross, presumptive buyout guys. I think Green is the one I could most envision playing in a rotation on a championship team because he's done that several times so uh everybody else is kind of i'm not sure that they would reggie jackson would be up reggie jackson chris haynes mentioned his name straight up as a likely buyout candidate to land with phoenix um i and think the other than- need is the player that like every team needs right. as rudy gay might be on the buyout market i he uh maybe he has that player option next year so that might complicate any negotiations with the jazz i don't know if he would if he would help them at all and he's more of like a four I would view him as well. And so it's the player they need is just like not going to be addressed on the buyout market. I would yeah, guess guys, guys that good. And that like, don't get bought out generally speaking. Which I mean, is, they, they are at the top of the list though, right? Like if you're a buyout guy, 
like because they have minutes and they're yeah, good. Sort I mean, of. Cleveland is another team like that because they didn't fill that small forward hole, but like the Suns are just there. There are a lot of Suns minutes to go around, and you're going to be surrounded by guys that draw so much attention that you could really put yourself in position to sign a big deal. You know, if you hit free agency after playing for them for a while, it's kind of a shame, which might speak to just how badly Matt uh, Ishbia wanted Kevin Durant that they couldn't. Like, the Nets just have a trillion wings, and like they couldn't get any of them as yeah. part of that. Um, so, and they also there was the report. I think this was from Woj that they tried to keep Mikael Bridges out of the deal and do it around DeAndre Ayton. And I guess that's the guy we didn't really mention. Are you worried about him at all? He's kind of, if he plays well, he's, they still kind of have like this uh, big trade chip there. If he's like turned into this really good center, that's still intriguing. Uh, you can cross the Raptors off the list because I don't know what the fuck they're doing, but Jakob Pertl, Hey, you're a Raptor again. So are you just, are you worried about him? In theory, it's just like, Oh, you get to play off Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and Kevin Durant. But now you've, and you already did like you were behind Mikael Bridges in the pecking order. But it's just like now you've been bumped further down the pecking order because you are never usurping the third option in Phoenix right now. Like if there were nights where you theoretically could have and be the third option, that's not happening anymore. No, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'm worried about it. I mean, relatively speaking, yeah, like he's the concern now among their among their like really most meaningful players. It does seem like Aiton is someone that they that like won't be on the team a year from now, most likely. But I mean, he's going to be there for this run and this run may be the best, one of the best, you know, couple of shots that the Suns get. So you just hope that, you know, the version of him you get looks a little more like the, the, the best showings we saw him put forth in the 21 finals, you know, where in the 21 playoffs where he really was just anyone smaller than him. He was just crushing on the offensive boards and was just, you know, really making an impact. Like we haven't seen that guy a whole lot since then. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a whole um, but really, if you think about it, they don't, they just need so little from him just because of, of the talent they have elsewhere. Like it's not having him defensively now though. Right. They have seen for most yeah. of this year. Yeah. That's an issue. I mean, it, it is when you frame it that way, it's like, well, Deandre Ayton is anchoring your playoff defense. Basically that's, that's a little, iffy. you felt good about that like a year ago though. Now that's it's what I'm saying. like, yeah, the, the, he's, he can do it. We yeah. know it's, we know he can do it. Uh, and it by the way, Kevin Durant, I, and I was, I was wrong about him at the beginning of the year where I said, I thought his defense was overrated. And I think I just had PTSD from him and Kyrie just, which is just, that's fair, unfair. Well, I'm just, I'm being honest. I missed on his defense. He played like really, really, really good defense yeah. um, for Brooklyn this year. And so like, that's not, he's not better than Mikael Bridges, but if that's your justification, he's not going to play the same type of defensive role, but your front line is Kevin Durant, the way he was defending in Brooklyn and Deandre Ayton, more engaged at least knowing he won't be moved to the trade deadline or something I, like that that has to help yeah i think so and and like look it they can't i mean the the mavs and i think mark cuban or maybe jason kidd joked about it like our our offense will be our defense you know we'll score 140 and that that like doesn't really make sense but some of that applies here i think the offense is going to be so good that that you could get away with like you know a, a a defense that would not hold up, you know, as a championship level outfit otherwise, but I think, you know, maybe it will now. Um, what do you, do you want to hit the nets? Where do you want to go from here? I'm, I'm, I'm open to whatever. Yeah. The, so the nets, I think like you already used the launching pad. They had, this is from hoops hype um, that they have 11 first round picks now outright. That's a big deal. And you're shorting some of Phoenix's future, which is just absolutely fine because mm -hmm. Kevin Durant is older. Chris Paul's older. Yes, they still have Devin Booker. Yes, they still have DeAndre Ayton. But 
this is the game you played. And it also wasn't, this was more what the jazz got for Rudy Gobert, like on the level of, Oh, there's players here too, because I'm not ready to rule out that Mikael Bridges could be the, certainly the third best player on the title team, but like maybe even the second best player with the way that he's played with the ball on his hands. So I love that they got him. For, I was sad. I was like weirdly emotional that he wasn't on the Suns anymore. I guess just because I associated Mikael Bridges with their ascent just as much as I did Booker. Almost. I think that you got really good players here in Cam Johnson, who you should just resign a restricted free agency. Maybe you explore sign and trade scenarios. And I think there will still be, I, I don't know if it'll be a mandate, but there could be the impetus to try to win games since Houston controls so much of your draft moving forward. By the way, the, the funniest scenario, and I guess it's still technically in play was the nets acquiring their own first round picks from Houston in exchange for Mikael bridges because the Rockets <laughs> were looking at a consolidation trade. So um, that would be, would still be funny. Like you can, like this team is, it has a very like Utah jazz pre-trade deadline feel where, Oh, there's do all the pieces fit together. And I would argue they probably do better than Utah looking at them at the beginning of the season. But just looking at their depth chart, you have Spencer Dinwiddie, Seth Curry, uh, the future Hall of Famer, Cam Thomas, Joe Harris, Mikhail Bridges, whatever's left of Ben Simmons, Royce O'Neal, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Yuta Watanabe, and Nick Claxton. And it's just like, that's it. I don't want to like get ahead of myself and say, oh, they're a playoff team or something. Like, that's a, that could be a good defensive team. You have a lot of plug-and-play guys. And even if you're not going to be super good, uh, you you have like the assets to just go out and get more first round picks or maybe prospects because teams this summer, if they view the next Nets as like a carcass that they can pick off, I'm immediately Dorian Finney Smith, um, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson. Like, what are what are those guys netting you via the trade market? So, and that's like in addition, Spencer Dinwiddie's deal next year, I think, is at least market value, if not better. Yep. Um, Seth Curry's going to be a free agent. Joe Harris will be expiring. There are things they could do, and I wouldn't rule out finally them one being better than people expect right now, but two, like they could just go out and make another move themselves with all those picks. I don't know what star would have to become. A, what if I this is like what if Trey Young is just available this summer? Do they have like if if they're going to trade picks predominantly, do they have the defensive in- infrastructure to be like, let's just surround Trey with these guys and see? I'm not saying they should do that, but I do think. They're the avenues that are open to them now just weren't available, you know, 72 hours ago. Yeah, I think I think two things and they're tied together. One is like, I'm not sure there's a team in the league that can put the kind of defensive lineups that this that this Nets team can on the floor. Um, you know, there, of course, there are some that rival it like Boston can be just filthy defensively when everybody's out there. You know, same with the Bucks. Same there, you know there's plenty of teams that can get close, but like you just imagine like Claxton is a great defensive center. that can switch Ben Simmons for all his warts, like can really defend multiple position. Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, uh, Mikhail Bridges is the last guy I mentioned. Like you can play all five of those guys together. Like that's a real thing you can do. And that's fine. Like, I don't know how you're going to score necessarily, but that's what Cam Thomas and Spencer Dinwiddie are for. So yeah, like defensively, I think, there's a real like theory of the case with this team, which is just, we will be one of the best defenses in the league period and we'll find enough offense. And related to that, it was what I was getting to is all those guys are super tradable and the contracts are all other than Simmons, just like really good. So you can sort of choose your own adventure from this point. If you're the, if you're the nets, you can just establish this identity and be like, 
Shizard Adventure Rebuild. I love it. That's what it is. I mean, and really, like, to your point, and because all these contracts are so tradable, if that's the route they want to go, and because they have so many of the type of player that every team wants, so just instant bidding war all the time, if you put Dorian Finney-Smith on the block or whatever, um, you could just see a scenario where they have, like, an Oklahoma City level of first round picks in the war chest, like pretty easily. Like they just, you know, you get one or two. So what was the report that bridges might've gone for four? I forget who Woj, I think said that four firsts were offered for bridges. I, I look, I, I'm too high on Mikhail bridges. Maybe I want, if, if my team has the pick equity and they were like Mikhail, you know, you know, Memphis for everyone saying that they needed OG and an OB Mikhail bridges was the guy. Yeah. Like if you could have gotten like, that is the, Mikael Bridges is what you thought OG Anobi was going to do for your team. You would have actually done it. I, it wouldn't have shocked me if he went not four elite first round picks, but just four first round picks. Like let's say one or two unprotected and then two real, like that yeah. would not have shocked me at all because I do think he's, he's 26. We've just seen his offensive game come along and we've like, he's never even had, I think to, with the exception, maybe this year, like OG Anobi has had more bandwidth to experiment on offense than Mikael Bridges has. No. Yeah. Well, and like, you know, we've all been waiting for the Ananobi like expansion, like the game, like to, to, to grow bridges is doing like that's happening. Like it's not theoretical. Like it is with Ananobi. We're not anticipating it. We're actually watching it happen. And I think, you know, it's, it's hard to say outside of a system he's really familiar with in Phoenix and guys, he really knows well, if that will continue. But I mean, I would say that as long as Cam Johnson and, and Spencer Dinwiddie aren't, aren't, you know, eating up all the possessions, there should still be plenty of room for bridges to keep running pick and rolls and to keep putting the ball on the floor and doing all this stuff that like three years ago was basically unheard of for him. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't think in all four of those first could possibly have been real, like unprotected first, but still, like, I think if you put him up next to Ananobi and just say, which guy's worth more, it's probably bridges. Um, just, just because there's still, so it seems like, the upside really is there and it's being realized. Do you know what my spicy prediction is going to be before we move on? Is that the Warriors are going to be heavily linked to Mikel Bridges over the summer if the Nets shop him between picks and Kaminga and Pool? Maybe if like they're interested in Pool, the Warriors could do some interesting things. We do have, I see everyone's questions in the chat about uh, James Wiseman, the Clippers. And I think actually, do you want to go to the Clippers would be a good team to, yeah. to do next? Do that. Um, you know, M. Belma, 63 29. What do you make the Clippers very active deadline moves? We talked about this on the BR live stream. Uh, you know, Graham, what are your just the, the Clippers get? I don't want to, they gave up. I'll, I'll say what they didn't, but they trade Luke Kennard. They trade John Wall. They trade Reggie Jackson. They do not trade Terrence Mann or a true first round pick. The, the, the Rockets can swap their Bucks pick with the Clippers this year, which by the way, if, if the, if it started today, they would exercise that swap. So that's mm -hmm. something, but you get Eric Gordon. Um, you get Mason Plumlee. And you get, oh my God, who's the person I'm forgetting? Who's the third guy they got? Uh, they got Gordon Bones and Plumley. Oh, Bones Highland for two second round picks. What do you make of what they did on deadline day? You were still, I was surprised to, and because we didn't have, this is why I love doing this with you, like Freeborn. Like we just don't have the, I loved having a producer that wasn't me. Um, the BR live stream people are extremely nice. If you didn't check us out, I'll tweet out the link again tomorrow with all our trade deadline content. It was a blast. I hope that they bring us back. Um, I mean, we both worked there, so it would be like sort of no brainer <laughs> that decision. How's that for a pitch? But I like that I'm able to now follow up with this. Like we have the time and the, the leeway. 
I was surprised that you were just sort of like, eh, like Mason Plumlee Bones Highland, what the fuck ever. Uh, it was more about the Eric Gordon. So you were still high on the deadline, but you were a little bit lower on it than I was. Well, I, I don't want to come. I think it's just they're more marginal moves, um, but they were all good, right? Like just if I just break it all the way down to, you know, in are Gordon, Bones, and Plumley. Out are Wall, Jackson, and Kennard. Two of those three immediately, Wall and Jackson going out, just were not going to be factors, I don't think. I mean, Wall was just, Wall was hurt. Wall was not playing. Wall was really bad when he did play. Um, and Jackson was basically out of the rotation entirely for a long stretch of the season until they just, like, didn't have anybody else. Um, Kennard hurts a little bit, but even he was, you know, wasn't, like, necessarily. As much, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I really like Kennard. I think in the right situation, he could really work just because that shooting plays, like, 44-plus percent three years running. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA full stop and can do a little bit with the ball, like, if you need him to make a decision or make the right pass. But, like, of those three, I think certainly Gordon is easier to imagine playing, like, meaningful, you know, conference finals minutes. I know I always frame things this way, but, like, for certain teams, that really is just all that I care about. Like, is this guy that they got someone that I could see on the floor in crunch time of a, of a playoff game? And like, Wall, no. Jackson, not anymore. That used to be the case. Kennard, probably not. Gordon, yeah. And I mean, even Plumlee, yeah. Like, he, he'll be okay if Zubats is in foul trouble or whatever. Like, he can move the ball. He can do the Isaiah Hartenstein impression from last year where his best skill is his passing. He can, you know, he can do something. Um, Bones is, a, is an interesting case. Like, I'm not sure I see him, you know, because he's just a firecracker scorer that doesn't defend and apparently like really pissed off the Nuggets because it only costs two seconds to get him. But um, all three of those guys are upgrades, I'd argue. Certainly in the aggregate, they're upgrades. So, yeah, I, I think it's the Clippers definitely were one of the winners. It's just these are more like, you know, eight, seventh, eighth ninth man stuff as opposed to, you know, the Suns got Duran and the Lakers got like three starters potentially it's it's a little bit of a different thing but um i'm definitely not down on it i i think especially considering like you said they didn't have to give up a first and they didn't have to give up terrence Mann. like those were the things i would have assumed they'd need to to move if they were going to do something consequential but but not so and I, what i like about this too is it kind of just ensures that because you got rid of wall jackson and even canard I know you have Gordon now, and we just know Tyler's probably not going to play Bones in the playoffs. I, I just like that as the long-term upside play if you're the Clippers, where if he sort of pans out with the two years left on his rookie scale, that's another maybe first-round pick for you if you're able to yeah. reboot his value uh, in any way. And so that's what I, I – two seconds. I don't – like, I, I – and we'll have to talk about the two other sides of – I think the most important other sides of this deal, which would be the Grizzlies uh, getting Luke Kennard and then also the Nuggets giving up Bones. But I – I love just what the Clippers did. It was just, they always seem to slay every single day, um, every single deadline. And um, as FK retro said, Kennard just didn't shoot enough. It was more on time, wanted him shooting way more and told him he would bench him if he wasn't aggressive. And he's like, yeah, he was at six attempts or six and a half per 36 minutes. Definitely needs to be higher than that. And Memphis mm -hmm. won't even be again. We'll get to them in a second. I just like everything the Clippers did. It was like you said, sixth, seventh, eighth, uh, seventh, eighth, ninth man type stuff. If Zubats gets in foul trouble, now you have Mason Plumlee. And the way he's been shooting free throws, like he, you can close games with him. That's also someone maybe if he's happy playing 12 to 18 minutes a game, you could resign him in the summer. Yeah. And like, that's one of the better backup bigs. Um, and also Zubats, I think will be going into the final year of his extension at that point. I should, I should check that out before I say anything. The, my contractual knowledge is now officially a mess. Like that <laughs> always breaks my brain. Yeah. Oh no, he has two years left. So apologize for that. But I, 
I love what they did. And I do think Gordon has the chance to, like you said, make an impact. And the biggest thing he brings aside from he brings spacing, even when he's not shooting in a way that Kennard, you have to worry about his motion. Gordon, mm-hmm. you have to worry about him just like firing away from half court. Yeah. And so like, that's going to space the floor for everybody else. I love again, what this just says about their commitment to Terrence Mann. Uh, getting rid of Reggie Jackson and John Wall. That was kind of a bummer because I know Reggie Jackson was really close with the tomb and Paul George. And there was the whole stuff about how the Clippers like basically saved Reggie Jackson's life. So that's always a little bit depressing. We know the Clippers just don't give a fuck. They traded Wall back to the Rockets. Uh, we saw what they did to Blake Griffin. But I think from a basketball perspective, there's no, I don't know, there's no argument against any of the moves they made unless you think no. that Bones Highland is just never going to play like even during the regular season. But even the load management this team goes through, and they're going to be pretty involved in the heated playoff seating race. So maybe we don't see that towards the second half of the year, but he'll, he'll get regular season reps. And that just might, that might be enough to up his value. So an FK retro says it's another upgrade by subtraction. Reggie and wall hurt the team. Yeah. Uh, I probably agree. I think if it's not, and this would probably be addition by subtraction. It's just, again, what it says about their commitment to Terrence Mann and not feeling like they need to run these traditional point guard lineups. That's the other bones is not, they didn't acquire bones to be like, if it was Conley or Fred Van Fleet, who they were in on apparently, but the Raptors wanted like basically everything for um, it would have said something about, I would have loved Van Fleet there. Don't get me wrong, but it would have said something about how they're going to play. This says like, I think this just says that they're going to play the way that they should. When you look at the makeup of their roster. So I loved what they did. I was going to ask you, let's go with, let's go with the Denver side of this. I was pretty hard on them because I think that they're culpable in getting to this point with, if you like this, this doesn't come out of nowhere. So you saw Bones Highland trending in this direction, at least somewhat leading into the season then. And you didn't move him earlier. And then you kind of just got entirely away from him. Even if it did, if this situation sort of materialized more quickly, you let it really crater um, and accelerate even more quickly. And so you were culpable to me in his value getting this low. You traded him with two years left on his rookie scale where he had really helped you navigate time without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. last season, unless you thought that was completely a fluke or he was actively hurting the locker room. And based off what Michael Porter Jr. said, it didn't sound like it. But then based off what Jamal Murray said at one point, it did. maybe it did sound like it. So I get wanting to get him out of your locker room. There's there's something to that, to get rid of the distraction um, when you're a team with title aspirations. But they finished the trade deadline and they remain my title pick. I think they should be the favorite to come out of the West right now. So I want to... Uh, I know Nuggets fans on YouTube generally hate us. So I just want to preface it with that. You are, you gave up three second round picks, Bowens Highland for two second round picks. So you're down one second round pick and you got Thomas Bryant and then you gave Davon Reed up. That's not inspiring to me. I know Reed wasn't playing. I actually think he could be useful for the Lakers who we'll talk about, I'm sure. But like, I'm just, I, I, I this is not going to be detrimental to them long-term. I want to make that clear, but it was just very, unspectacular stuff from them i would say yeah and it wouldn't really i agree it it wouldn't matter if the suns hadn't gotten better and if the clippers hadn't gotten better and if memphis hadn't gotten a little better um you know that the lakers the lakers are in you know they're not up there competing but like there's several west teams that got you know substantially better and the nuggets just didn't and maybe that cushion maybe the fact that they are what are they four or five games up on the second seed in the west like they're clearly they've clearly been the best team in the west to this point um and so you could understand why they weren't really motivated not that they had the the resources to really do it but i can understand the lack of motivation to go out and you know be as aggressive as some of these other west contenders and competitors were 
Um, but yeah, just objectively, it's, you know, they didn't really come out of this any better than they were going in. I, I guess, you know, maybe, maybe there's some Thomas Bryant stands out there that, are, that would disagree, but I don't feel like he's going to make a real difference. And so, yeah, the Nuggets just kind of hung, hung tight and watched as, you know, another like super team came into being and, and the Grizzlies added like a real player. So um, it's disappointing, I guess, but you know, I don't, I don't know what was out there. Like if you could have drawn up like the Nuggets move, I don't know if you, this is unfair. Cause I don't know if you've given this any thought at all, but like, I'm trying to think what I would have wanted them to do that would have been, you know, reasonably realistic other than like everybody wants them to trade Michael Porter Jr. for like OG or whatever. But um, I'm not sure what I would have wanted them to do. Whereas it's kind of easier to see, well, the Clippers need X, Y, and Z and the Suns. I can't say I saw that coming, even though he was, you know, Durant put the Suns on his trade me to this team list in June or late early July last year. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like what, like what would have, had the Nuggets done nothing at all? Like, had they not transacted in any way, would that have been better to you than what they did? Yeah. Uh, just because just, I would have kept Bones Island as breaking case of emergency and tried to figure it out. You weren't, you didn't tell me you weren't going to get two second round picks from over the off season. If he was that big of a distraction, I get it. 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 Uh, we have M Belma, 6329. Oh, and Thomas Bryan Nuggets seems like a good deal for both LA and Denver. I thought. I guess because the Nuggets got two first round picks for Bones, you could look at it as so they gave up one second round pick and uh, Devon Reed for Thomas Bryant, which in a vacuum, that's fine. But when paired with the Bones Highland stuff is why it was uninspiring. I also will say, like, would you have preferred, like, wouldn't it have made more sense given what Mason Plumley got one second if you were just willing to stomach the tax bill, Mason Plumley into your TPE, or would that not have done it for you? Would you prefer Thomas Bryant and the floor spacing there? I'd way rather have Plumley than Thomas Bryant. I don't, I don't think, I think, I mean, they're very you probably different. Jalen McDaniels as part of that deal too. Like just for what he ended up going for to Philly. That was another team that, that did well. Yeah. So that's another on the margins, big win by the Sixers. So yeah, I just not inspiring. Doesn't hurt them at all long-term, but like you said, they were limited in what they could do. I would have just preferred they did nothing. The other team uh, that's just looped into the, the Clippers trade tree, the, the Grizzlies, they don't give up any, core core prospects core picks and they get luke Kennard, who one of the understated things and we just saw that uh i'm sorry i'm gonna forget who said in the chat that they needed maybe that was fk retro that you needed to shoot more for memphis someone who's gonna take six and a half attempts for 36 minutes that's like your your, your second highest volume three-point guy <laughs> or third highest volume three-point guy they have statistically the two most efficient three-point shooters in the league this year high volume and desmond bain and luke higher volume and desmond bain and Luke Kennard, and you could play them together mm-hmm. with John Morant and then Jaron Jackson Jr. and then plug in. I don't know if you want to go so small as Dylan Brooks when Steven Adams healthy, you could go that route. But you can play Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard together. Maybe that's how you navigate the no John Morant minutes too, if you want to go with Tyus Jones. I like that move for them, even though I we've all been begging the Grizzlies to do something splash here. I don't know if it was available. There is a report, though, that the Grizzlies and the Pacers offered three first-round picks for OG Ananobi, and like when you're looking at the picks both those teams own, and this is this kind of leads into Raptors territory, uh, there's a chance that was a real first. From Memphis' perspective, I don't think Ananobi was the answer for them. They needed someone with more. I actually think people are going to hate this. I think Luke Kennard fills more of a need for them than OG Ananobi would have. Man, that's a hot take. That should We should use that for hot or not. I don't know what I think about that. I think... I'll mark it. I'm timestamping it. Don't worry. Okay. I mean... 
going back to the only argument I ever make about any player, I could see Ananobi much more easily closing uh, finals games or conference finals games than I could see Kennard. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. But I do think I do think Kennard makes a lot of sense, um, especially because. I know it's mostly like you have to believe it because he hasn't really shown it in any kind of volume, but he's like another option that like you could sort of play him. I mean, the Clippers experimented with him as a point guard. Like he's not a pure, he's not a true point guard, but you can sort of get away with that. You know, Tyus Jones is a good backup. That's fine. Um, But you know, Morant has missed time multiple, you know, across his career. He's going to miss time again going forward just because the way he plays is going to subject him to, to harm. That's just part. That's just, priced into the Moran, you know, experience. Um, so Kennard, in addition to the, just the great shooting is, you know, kind of a nice playmaking option too. hilarious. KB says the Grizzlies should have traded Brooks preach. You're preaching to the choir. Like Brooks is on my list of guys. Like I just, I get what he does. I get his value. I just think I just don't want him on my teams. Generally speaking, like if you could have swapped out Brooks for Ananobi, like now we're talking. Because Ananobi brings all the Brooks stuff with none of the bullshit. Like that's really that's really the difference there. I yeah, if that's a talk about a hot take, swap out Dylan Brooks for for OG Ananobi. I will say that's the other benefit of Canard is you folded an expiring salary into someone who's under team control for two more years at fifteen and a half million, and to do that in advance of Brooks's free agency, where no, those are completely two different players. I want to make that clear. But you've kept like a digestible salary yeah. trade chip. So that was the other benefit for them. Uh, so I liked it. I'm still like of the mind that I wish they uh, would do something splashier. Maybe they will over the off season. Lance uh, Robertson says, why did Morant have to talk shit? Yeah. Ever since when he was like, Oh, we're I'm fine in the West or we're yeah. fine in the West, whatever it is. The the Suns get Kevin Durant, the Lakers just load up. Um, So like that, the, are you worried about the Grizzlies? I mean, I'm fairly sure in, I don't know how long ago it was. It wasn't that long, a few weeks. Uh, I was like, I, I think the Grizzlies are the best team in the West. I think that I, I think they're ready. I think I love all the, the, how brash they are. And like, they proceeded to then just be terrible for like two and a half weeks, basically. Um, so I'm a little worried. Um, I think, I think Adams being out has really kind of mattered a lot more than I certainly expected. Um, Same. But like, maybe that was, that's on me because it, this is a team that succeeds because it gets a ton of offensive rebounds and like, that's the guy that gets them all. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a one-to-one thing. Um, Generally speaking, when some of the most important part of your offense is missing shots, like that's, (laughs) that's, that's concerning. We, (laughs) man, Lance is going in on the Grizzlies. Yeah, Um, I don't. The Triple J foul stuff, I feel like, is a little bit overblown at this point. They've definitely, it's repressed the minutes that he can play at points. Uh, and it's, like, somewhat of a concern. But even watching him the playoffs, I was just like, that's not, I, I don't want to write it off completely, but that feels a little bit overblown. Yeah, it's a thing, but it's, like, the overall package is still such a value add because of, he just, he dominates games defensively when he's in the game. And so if that's for 26 minutes, then cool, you've dominated the game defensively for for, you know, more than half of the proceedings. So that that's good. Um, Brent Burnett says, Grizz remind me of the Pistons in the old days, those bad boys that won it all. Maybe. I mean, you got Brooks in there. Brooks would have fit perfectly alongside the Rick Mahorns and Bill Lambeers. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess I think, 
I think the Grizzlies are maybe this is like not the right time to evaluate the Grizzlies because you got all the off court like John Moran, Indiana Pacers, you know, bullshit happening. You've got Adams out. This is kind of a big swoon for them. So it's easy to be kind of less, uh, you know, optimistic. Uh, but like this is still the same team that was right there with Denver up until a few weeks, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So um, I, I can't say I'm worried overall. What's the, I think we need to get to, and then we can go probably bounce around. I think we should get to the Lakers. I know that they get a lot of airtime, but they did. I, I mean, we know the, the D'Lo trade that gets them Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, and D'Lo himself without, it cost them one protected 2027 first round pick. And if it doesn't convey, it's immediately turning into a second. And so they can this summer, if they wanted to, they can offer a swap in 28 and 30 and then the 29 first with what they also did here is they've now decided unless you, what well, they haven't decided they could do both. You can renounce Rui, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt's non-guaranteed team option. on Malik Beasley. You can still go the cap space route. If you want, I don't think you make these moves with the intention of doing that. So now what you've done guys who can stay and then guys who are also on the books. So in a, what if you explore D'Angelo Russell sign and trade if another team really wants him or Malik Beasley's salary, um, is just super digestible. Picking up Mo Bamba, sneaky good move here because he's non-guaranteed uh, for next year at 10.8 or whatever it is. So less than the mid-level exception. It doesn't matter whether he pans out or not. I like to play here because he makes more sense. Thomas Bryant might've been a slightly more dependable or is definitely a more dependable offensive fit if you wanted to play him alone or with AD. But like defensively, Mo Bamba might give you a rim protector. You can maybe play him alongside Vando. You could definitely play him alongside AD in certain lineups. Not how I'm closing, but just gives you more optionality. Now you can fold that um, th- like that number into a different trade this summer. So you've, you know, you talk about choose your own adventure. The Lakers are not there by any stretch, but they have more options open to them that they didn't leading into the trade deadline. And quite frankly, I'm shocked they did this well. I had zero faith that I didn't think they were going to trade any of the picks. I thought if they did, it was going to be sort of selling out here. But uh, yeah, I, I loved their trade deadline. Yeah, I did too. I think, I don't know what the breakdown would have been of, of Lakers fans or just, you know, people like us that cover the league, you know, what percentage of them thought you got to trade both of those picks unprotected. You should just do it for miles Turner and buddy healed or for, you know, whatever Malik Beasley and, and Mike Conley, I think was another one that was thrown out there. Um, and some that were kind of like, don't do it. Cause it doesn't matter. The window is shut. You can't this, if you're not going to get a guy that's going to elevate you to, you know, title favorite status, there's no point. And then there was some stuff in between. I mean, like, so look, I don't think this makes the Lakers, you know, they're not on the level of the West best teams. And, and that's kind of fine for all the reasons you just outlined because built into this is real flexibility. Like you, you could like, this could go great. Like they could go on a huge run down the stretch and, you know, they're, it's not inconceivable to be like the fourth seed in the West. It's still not that far, even for where they are to get up that high in the standings. And then you think about, well, this is a solid core. Let's do this and let's go use the mid-level and free agency. And like, suddenly maybe we are on that, you know, in that upper tier. And if it doesn't, you just kind of start trimming the fat and say, we got cap space. Now, like, I, I feel like in the, I know in our BR chat, I kind of talked out of both sides of my mouth saying like, you know, saying, well, if this goes bad, we have the cap space. That's not a plan. That's like, it means you made the wrong decision. Normally that's true. Like that applies to Dallas, for example. But I think for the Lakers, 
who are just way down in the standings and, and aren't, you know, going all in necessarily. They didn't give up all their draft assets. They protected the one pick they gave away. Um, it does sort of make more sense to me to kind of give them credit for that, to say like, there is a, a ripcord we can pull here. If this combination of players just isn't as good as we thought it was, or if some other superstar hits the market and decides he wants to play in Los Angeles, like we could do that too, theoretically, like within reason you couldn't, you can't get a Durant level guy, but you know, there will be options. And because the Lakers are not, you know, Dallas where it's like pure desperation, you know, if this goes bad, the cap space, who cares? Like, it's not, that's not a good thing. It's a little different situation. So yeah, the Lakers, I mean, kudos to them because like, I feel like they did not have the benefit of the doubt because of the Westbrook trade. And because of some of the other dumb combinations of players they put around LeBron. Uh, But like, I don't, I got no notes. I think, I think this was about as good as you could have reasonably expected them to do. Um, And I really like, you know, we don't need to move on from the Lakers, but I also think like the Wolves side of this whole thing is pretty good. And I think honestly, if there's like a loser in this whole three team thing with D'Lo like, and, and, and Russ and everything, it's probably the jazz. Cause like they came out of this, you know, they, they're not hurting, but like you just got the one, just the one pick and you and you let them protect it at all. Like I'm a little surprised based on what we kind of thought it was going to take for the Lakers to upgrade. So I don't think, I just don't think the Jazz did as poorly as everyone believes here because I, I Malik Beasley's been shooting under 31% from three for yeah. more than half the season at this point. Vando became an awkward fit once Walker Kessler emerged and was never going to net a first round pick on his own. And I think what we're forgetting here is that Mike Conley has net negative value at 20 plus million dollars next year. You're not going to waive him for 14 and a half. And while he makes more sense for the Timberwolves, and if you didn't think you were going to keep D'Lo, you fold him into uh, a a different, um, you fold him into a different salary that could be moved next year or someone who has a better uh, connectivity with Rudy Gobert. I get it. Yeah. But like, I'm just, I, I liked it less for the Wolves because it's, oh, you know, by the way, they kept Nas Reed notable, who's going to be a free agent. Uh, Jalen Noel did not get his trade request fulfilled. Apologies to Jalen Noel condolences. So I look the Jazz. There's a risk here because if that Lakers pick doesn't convey, but now they have like between forty and sixty million in cap space. They've upped their uh, lottery odds this year, and right. I, I eventually want to play the standings game with you when it, with regard to the Lakers, who trading a distant first round pick when you're the 13th seed right now, like that's actually. That that takes some fucking gall. Um, so, and we have this from Brett Burnett. Jazz did awesome. They'll have the best cap space in the NBA and so many picks plus their core players. They're building for the future. They want their picks and the Wolves to be more valuable. If they thought, that's the other thing about the trade. If they thought that they were kind of submarining the Wolves because Delos played incredible and the Wolves have been better during their defense. I think since Towns' absence has been like second in the league. Uh, I don't know if they could think that way because there's a chance Conley elevates it, but they might be looking at the longer term game where it's, well, Conley's old. So we get D'Lo out of Minnesota. Conley's not going to be there for more than a year. Let's just drive up the value, the combustibility of this roster. That might have been a side benefit for them that I didn't consider. So uh, shout out to Brent for that one. But I just don't think, I don't think the market dictated they were going to get more than one first round pick for that haul. And here's my, I'll throw it to you with this. Would you have preferred getting the Lakers 2027 first round pick or two more imminent first round picks that you know are going to convey Let's say you could have gotten two first round picks for those three guys. They would have all conveyed in the twenties and you already have like 80 first round picks this year. I think it's actually only three, but still. Yeah. That's a good way to frame it. I, I think, I think probably I'd rather have the Lakers pick. I just would say that if you told me that the jazz traded Beasley 
Vanderbilt and Conley and only got, and like the over under on first round picks coming back was, was one and a half. I would have gone over. I would have assumed they were getting two for those three guys. And maybe, maybe that would have been those shitty, like they're going to be in the twenties or they're going to have weird protections and they're not, you know, the term first round pick has like 50 different meanings. So it's not just like, there's not all one thing. So point taken. But the other thing is, I think I probably just like this more for Minnesota. Maybe I don't think the jazz did badly. Like, let's make that clear. I think, but I just think the Lakers, we, you know, what'd you give them a flat a, I think I would agree with that. And I think, I don't know what you give the wolves in your grades, but I think it was a good, a good yeah. move for the wolves. I, I, I just, think it was a C minus. <laughs> it was, just, it was uninspiring. Well, here's my take. My thought on it is I think Conley is maybe kind of the adult in the room that, that Minnesota could really benefit from a guy that has played with Gobert. You mentioned that a guy that like is just, I think Russell is a better shooter. He's younger. He's probably more projectable. They're very different players. I just like the Conley player type more than the Russell type. And I think probably Minnesota, well, it's implicit in this move was, was not willing to pay Russell what it was going to cost in free agency. So this is one of those, we traded a guy before he left for nothing. So like that's valuable to me. And Nikhil Alexander Walker is not nothing. Like that guy's not nothing. He makes oh, sense on this team. So she's got 60 over 60% true shooting. He's a big guard, 6'5. I've seen him listed at 6'6 six, six some places. You never can tell. But like the Wolves don't have a lot of big guards. That's like that's another thing. Like you're you've got you've got a lack of size there that he addresses. And like he's not what is he, 24, 25? I know I wrote it down someplace, but like that's not a nothing move to me. Um, he looked really good for the Jazz in spurts. He's still, I mean, his shot selection comes and goes. It's been better. That's been a big reason he's improved. Um, but yeah, I, I like it a ton for the Lakers. I like it a lot for Minnesota. And I like it just a little bit less for Utah. But that doesn't mean anybody is like, anybody did poorly here. I thought this was an interesting question uh, from Huck. Do you think the Lakers prefer D'Lo to Conley? I don't know. Um, I would say... He- Based off the contract flexibility for next year, my guess would be yes. The age difference, 26 yeah. versus 34. And I think, look, Mike Conley's really good. D'Angelo Russell has to have the higher ceiling right now when you look at his off-the-dribble shot. Conley's so much better well, defensively. I want to make that clear. I think it's really a question of, like, Russell can stay as good as he is for, like, four more years, five more years. And Conley, like, is obviously in massive decline. And just, like, the wheels will be off sooner than later just because of age and the natural like trajectory of his career um and then you're i, I think i think what is it 14 million of it of his deal is guaranteed for yeah, next like year 14.3 or 14.5 yeah, so whatever it is yeah, you might lot. be stuck with just like that's almost dead money potentially because you know sometimes you just when it goes it goes and and it, i don't think it's gone yet but it, it will be hysterical if they wind up trading towns and like they're just running back this weird version of the jazz built around mike conley and rudy gobert but anthony edwards is there so that's a huge difference well the funny thing i saw today was uh the lakers have basically reconstructed like a good portion of the 46 win wolves around lebron and ad because you've got you've got d'lo you've got vanderbilt you've got beasley back who was on that team um, and I think, well, when they had Beverly, that was enough, like they had, they had four who, I think it might've been John Hollinger said they had four of the top seven guys in minutes played from that Wolves team, oh, man. <laughs> which is better than what they had better than what the Lakers had around LeBron and AD before that. So well, I said it was the players that are coming in. How many of them would have been like looking at the last iteration of the roster would have been the Lakers third best player. 
D'Lo, probably Beasley. Would Vando have been the third? I mean, best he's player? in the conversation. I I really like Vanderbilt. I mean, he's limited, but I I think yeah, you could talk about all those guys. D'Lo for sure, though. Do you want to? Do you have anything else to add, or do you want to take us out? This will be, and I'm going to just cut the outro twice and put it. This is going to be a two part podcast. We're just going to release it on the same day, but we went almost two hours here. Thank you to everyone who joined us. But do you wanna do you wanna take us out of the sure. 2023 NBA trade deadline is officially, totally, completely, unequivocally over. It is a wrap, and we will soon start talking about the 2024 deadline because that's how the industry works. Uh, but yes, everybody, uh, thank you for getting in this chat, for following us on socials, for subscribing. Remember, if you have not done any of those things, please do them all: rate, review, and subscribe us. Subscribe to us, follow us uh, on Twitter at Hardwood Knox, same handle on TikTok. We are Hardwood underscore Knox on Instagram. Uh, catch us on the BR live streams if they have us back. Uh, ask us questions there. That's always cool too. Uh, but yes, uh, thanks everybody for everything. Uh, we love doing this and this is like the weirdest, wildest time of the year. So we're both uh, sleep deprived and exhausted and probably said a thousand wrong things. And thank you for bearing with us through that. Uh, until next time, we uh, take it out by acknowledging Frank Nilakina, who's a great human being, was not discussed again today, much to our dismay, and apologizing as always to Jared Allen.